Happy Sabbath, church family. Man, I don't even think we need a sermon today. What a blessing the worship service has been. Uh, my soul has been refreshed. Um, but there will be a sermon because God is so good. He gives us abundantly. Um, but thank you to my wonderful wife. Thank you to Kelly. Uh, she's a trooper. In spite of uh, some back pain there, she, she played for my wife. And thank you to everybody who uh, took part in the worship service. Um, I'm so overjoyed at some of the faces I see. I see a f- familiar faces here from my past. And uh, some other faces, I'm not going to name names because then I'll, for, I'll forget uh, some names. Um, and I always do that. But I'm just so happy to see each and every one of you. Um, the church is a little bit extra full today. And um, I just, uh, I'm just so grateful for the opportunity to be here with you guys, worshiping together with you. And also, th- those of you who are watching online, I want to welcome you as well. Um, and uh, I trust that God will give us a good, good, rich, full Sabbath blessing today. Amen. Before I start with the message, I want to just say thank you to all of you for the love that you have poured upon my family and I um, throughout these three years, and especially recently as the the news has come that, you know, we're going to be moving on, Um, but we will save our goodbyes. We'll save them because we're not gone yet, and we still got a a few more weeks, okay? Um, And I'm actually planned, I'm scheduled to preach on the 26th. So we can save our last goodbyes until then, okay? Um, Anyway, I just want to say that we love you guys. And as a song um, expressed, uh, we are looking forward to heaven where we can all be together um, with no separation, amen? In a world without evil, without uh, sin, without COVID, amen? (laughs) Amen. Let's pray together as we start the message today. Father in heaven, I am humbled at the opportunity you give me to present your word, to be a mouthpiece for you. Um, and I pray, Lord, that I may not get in the way of you communicating to your people. Father, I pray that you may empower me and strengthen me as a mouthpiece this morning and empower all of us, Lord, as hearers of the word and also doers of the word. Lord, may we grow to love truth, Lord, and to cherish it, Lord, as it comes from your word. So, Father, we ask for your spirit to guide and to control everything um, about this message, Lord, and we thank you so much, and we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen, amen. All right. As we get started in our message this morning, I want to test you a little bit, okay? We're going to do a little bit of a quiz. I'm going to give you some words and... I want you to kind of express to me, or to at least think in your minds, but you can also express them out loud, what things you associate with those words or, or, with, those, or with those things, okay? Let's see what comes to mind. You ready? You guys ready? Okay, good. All right, first word, palm tree. Palm tree. What comes to mind? Okay, Florida. All right. What else? California. Okay, okay. To me, I see coconuts. And I, I hear the soft musical sound of the surf. Okay, good, good. Garage. Garage. What comes to mind when you think of garage? Cars. Okay, what else? Okay, junk. Okay, clutter, <laughs> maybe. I think of oil stains on the ground. I think of greasy hands fixing things, and some of us may think of like our man cave, right, in the, in the garage. 
Okay, very good. Work. When you think of work, what do you think about? <laughs> Stress. Do you enjoy your work? Do you not enjoy your work? Don't say it out loud. Hope. Second coming. Jesus, very good. Maybe God's faithfulness to his promises. Very good. What about faith? What about faith? I think of belief. I think of God's word. I think of trust. One more. One more. Salvation. Salvation or the gospel. Kind of, you know, we use those as synonyms. What comes to mind when you think of salvation or the gospel? Jesus. Very good. What else? A gift. Excellent. Excellent. Now, don't raise your hands. But how many of us thought of health or healing when we thought of the gospel? Health or healing? Probably most of us didn't think of the gospel in those terms. But did you know that in the original language of the New Testament, which was Greek, there is one word that is translated both as save, as in how God saves us, such as in Matthew 121, where it says, and she shall bring forth a son, and she shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sin. So that word save there is the Greek word sozo. Can you say sozo with me? Sozo. And it's the same word used also in Matthew 9.22 when God speaks to the woman with the issue of blood and he says, Be of good cheer, daughter. Your faith has made you whole or has made you well. That whole or well, referring to her health, is the same word in Greek, sozo. And I could show you many, many, many more examples in the New Testament. But the point is this. As we dive into our message here, give glory to him. There is a close connection between God's saving work in our spiritual lives and God's saving work in our physical lives, in preserving and restoring our health. Let me ask you this. Can your lifestyle, can our lifestyle affect our walk with God? Most certainly, right? I think we would all agree with that. Let me ask you this follow-up question. Can our diet affect our walk with God? Well, as we seek to find answers to these important questions, I want you to join me there in Revelation chapter 14, a chapter that is well known to most of us. And yes, I know Pastor Bernardo just did a four-part series on the three angels' message, which are found in this chapter. But do you really think that the whole goodness of this chapter can be summarized in four messages? <laughs> That's like saying uh, uh, like a, a European tourist comes to New York City and he sees four awesome attractions. And then he goes back to Europe and he says, I saw America. No, I don't think so. There is a lot, a lot of goodness in Revelation chapter 14. This is where the Lord guided 
And we can definitely preach like a hundred sermons from this chapter. But let's go there to Revelation chapter 14. Here in this chapter, we have a message at its core. The three angels' message that you guys know well. In the first five verses of this chapter, you have the characteristics of the people who embrace this message. The Bible describes them as having the Father's name on their foreheads. In other words, they are sealed. They are sealed like a jar of, full of uh, yummy tomatoes, if you will, in which the contaminants of the air are kept out and the life of the food is preserved within pure. So in like manner, the people of God have made their decision. Sin is outside of them and God is inside of them. Amen? They have seen the cross and they, like Moses of old, esteem Jesus Christ of greater value than the riches of this world. They see Jesus and their hearts are melted in love, appreciation, and gratitude for him who risked all and gave all for their salvation. Yes, friends, they have made their choice on God's side and God has filled them with his spirit and has transferred to them his character. May we be these people, amen? Amen. And God is calling us to be a part of this people, to be these people. Now, then the chapter reveals the message that prepares the people of God to reach that state of being without fault in the presence of God. So we have these three angels' messages. or um, So we have these three angels or messengers, which actually is the same word in Greek. Messenger means, I'm sorry, angel means messenger in Greek. And these are us, friends. We are them. Um, these messengers are us. And we are to proclaim this message and at the same time live this message so that it can have its sanctifying effect on us. This message that, that Pastor Rob went through in the last couple of weeks prepares the world for the harvest in verses 14 through 20, the end of probation, and eventually the coming of Jesus. One harvest, the first harvest, the harvest of grain, is the harvest of the righteous people who follow the righteous one, and he makes them righteous. Amen? But there is a second harvest, a harvest of grapes, and this is a vivid symbol of the lost. They also have made their decision, and it does not turn out good for them. They are crushed and pressed in the winepress of God's wrath against sin. That's what the Bible says, friends. Now, God isn't cruel or mean for doing this, but decisions have consequences. I'm going to repeat that again. Decisions have what? Consequences. And God has to somehow rid the universe of sin, evil, and selfishness. And the Bible tells us how he does it. He will destroy it. And he gives the message to, to the whole world to separate us from that which in his righteousness he must destroy. Because God must, in a sense, deep cleanse, deep clean the universe, per se. He must do that. And I want to be on God's side. How about you guys? Amen. Amen. Praise God. Now, going back to the message itself, 
particularly the first angel's message, I want to narrow in on the phrase, fear God and give glory to him. We're going to focus more on the part that says, give glory to him. But just notice a few things here with me first. This phrase, fear God and give glory to him, is mentioned in the context of judgment, a pre-advent judgment, which right takes place and must take place in order for Jesus to come back. And this judgment started when? In 1844. Okay, so it is, it is an end time message. Fear God and give glory to him. So this is an imperative that is given to, that, 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 that is given to us. And also it tells us, worship him who made the heavens, the sea, um, the heavens, earth, sea, and the springs of water. These commands are all interconnected, friends. And we don't have time to deal with all of them. But I want to talk to you briefly about fear God. And then we're going to go into give glory to him. To fear God in the Bible, you guys already know this because Pastor Bob went through some of these things. To fear God in the Bible is to have this awe of God. This awe for God. A deep respect for God. In fact, Deuteronomy 10, 12, and I think we have it here on the screen, it tells us the following. And now, Israel, what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him? to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. So fearing God is synonymous, friends, with walking in his ways, loving and serving him with all of our hearts. You see, the biblical picture of fearing God is not this repellent, type of feeling that we get when we are afraid of something. Rather, the fear of God is like a magnet that draws us closer to him. The fear of God in man draws him or her to obey God. That's why the word of God tells us in Ecclesiastes 12, verses 13 and 14, I think we have this on the screen as well, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. What does it say here? Fear God and do what? Keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man. Notice again the picture of judgment here in verse 14. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. You see, friends, fearing God is an internal reality in which God becomes very real and very important to us. Let me share with you just a few Short, short quotes from um, The Spirit of Prophecy, The Upward Look, page 371. Um, I think we have this on the screen as well. Um, It says, the love of God ever tends to what? To the what? To the fear of God. In particular, what? Fear to what? To offend him. To offend him. And I have one more quote for you on the fear of God before we, we move on. It says, Um, In uh, three manuscripts releases, it says this. We should be as a family of obedient children having what? The fear of God before us. Not slavish fear, but filial fear. What is slavish fear? It is the fear that a slave has of his master. Are you with me? Fear that the master will abuse or will mistreat him or her. If if, if they don't obey, Ah, you know, fearful. Fearful. Slavish fear. But notice, 
we are to have a what? A filial fear. What does, what does the word filial mean? It means what is due to the father from a son or a daughter. So notice, in the same way we are to respect um, a, a good godly father, we are to respect and obey also our heavenly father. Amen? So this is, this, is the fear, this is the fear of God that we see in the Bible. But the point with me going over this real quick with you is that the fear of God is something that goes on within the heart, within the mind of the believer. Okay? And it's something internal that happens in us. But the phrase is coupled together, fear God and give glory to him. And that's where I want to focus in this message, give glory to him. What does that mean? Well, the word translated glory in the Bible is used for a wide variety of things. Anything from the great splendor of Solomon in the Old Testament, Solomon in all his glory, to the bright heavenly light that caused um, Saul of Tarsus to fall to, to, the, to the ground on the road to Damascus. In the New Testament, the, the word for glory is doxa, and it means opinion or judgment, especially used in the abstract sense, which is the way it is used in our scripture this morning. In that context, it means, and don't miss this, promoting a good opinion of that person, magnifying, honoring that person that is receiving glory. So the phrase, fear God and give him glory, is actually a cause and effect. We fear God, therefore we what? We give glory to him. Amen? You guys tracking with me so far? Okay, now we're going to get a little bit more practical, okay? You with me so far? I don't, want, I don't want nobody sleeping out there. All right. So this command to give glory to God means to lift him up. It means to make him look good in the world. We are to make God shine, friends, in this dark world. This is what the gospel, the true gospel, is calling us to do. By being honest, by being kind with others, by obeying the word of God, we are to give glory to God. But there's one specific way as well that I want to mention to you this morning as to how we give glory to God. I, I want you to come with me to uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. I think it's on the screen as well. But I always like looking it up in my Bible. 6 verses 19 and 20. Paul here draws an amazing connection between the spiritual and the physical. And this is basically the crux of my message this morning. You see, in the world, many times we are taught or we, are, we, we grow up to believe that our spiritual life is our spiritual life, our religion is our religion, our faith is our faith, and the way I live my life is something else. Um, what I do, what I eat, what I drink, it doesn't matter because that's, that's different. We tend to compartmentalize, to, to, to uh, kind of make a, like a, how can I say, a, a department of religion in our lives. And then there's also a, a regular life department. And these departments are separate from each other. But the Bible actually teaches us that that is not true. God actually is calling for all of us to worship him, to, for all of us to give glory to him. And Paul brings this out masterfully here in 1 Corinthians 
chapter 6. And the Bible says, or do you not know that your body is the temple of what, everybody? Of, or of who? The Holy Spirit, who is in you, whom you have from God, and you are not your own. For you were bought at a price. Therefore, what? Glorify God where? In your body and in your spirit, which are God's. Yes, friends. The Apostle Paul tells us here that our bodies are not ours. Yep. Look at your bodies. <laughs> My hand isn't mine. My mouth isn't mine. My chest isn't mine. It's actually God's. My lungs, my liver, my, my kidneys, my small intestine, my heart, my brain is actually not mine. It's God's. These bodies are actually rentals. Or if you want to put it in another way, these are company vehicles. Okay? That a God of love has given to us, has loaned to us, so that we can enjoy it, our bodies. We can take care of them, our bodies. And we can give him glory and serve him with our bodies. And the fact of the matter is, friends, a sad reality. We don't value our bodies as we should. We forget that they are an absolute miraculous feat of biological engineering. I mean, just think about a human cell. I have a picture of a cell here. And sorry it didn't quite fit properly in the slide. Um, now, I'm not a doctor, <laughs> but, but, but I have some family members that are um, and some friends. But anyway, I know this. All, all I know is that the human cell is an amazing thing. And you and I have trillions of cells in our bodies. Did you know that one human cell, or I should say each human cell, has its own power plant, its own water supply, its own transportation system, and it efficiently and effectively accomplishes the purpose that it has, whatever particular cell that is. And we have trillions of cells in our bodies. Isn't that amazing? No wonder, <laughs> David says, we were wonderfully, fearfully and wonderfully made. Amen? I mean, it's, it's really quite, quite amazing. I want to encourage you to study a little bit about biology, and you will be awestruck at the complexity and the just amazingness of your own body, of your own body. That's why David said that. Now, notice, um, we ha I have another picture here. Many times, that's a pretty nice car. It's a Ferrari Spider, okay, if you were wondering. It's a pretty nice car. Uh, most of us will never even drive a car like that. When I was down in Florida in Clearwater, I saw a couple of uh, Lamborghinis. Lamborghinis. Uh, that's pretty cool. Anyway, they're pretty loud. But I will never drive a car like that, most likely. Um, anyway, many of us take better care of our cars, and they're not even half as valuable as this, or a quarter or a fifth as valuable as this. Many of us take better care of our cars than we take care of our, can you finish the sentence? Our bodies. And this, my friends, is a dishonor to God. But this true gospel is asking us to give glory to him by the way we take care of ourselves. I have another picture. See, this lady, she's taking care of her body. She's exercising. She's cherishing the gift or the company truck that was loaned to her. Well, I don't know if she's a believer or not, but 
you know, um, for Christians especially, it is a stewardship issue. It is a worship issue, the issue of health. Now, let's continue on here. God has blessed this church tremendously with the gift of prophecy. If you don't know what that means, it actually means the writings of Ellen G. White. And God gave us a lot of information that further explains what we already have in the Bible, as he promised he would, all right, in Bible prophecy. Anyway, there's over, over 100,000 pages that we have that have been given to us through God, by God, through an instrument, a humble instrument, and that's a lot. And did you know that one of the topics that is most written about in the spirit of prophecy, guess what it is? It's health and how to take care of our health. And let me tell you, friends, if God revealed so much concerning health and how to preserve it and restore it, that means it's important to him. And if it's important to him, should it be important to us, his children? Yes. Yes, it should. Let me share with you just a little sample here. Um, I have a quote I want to share with you that's very interesting. Um, and it says as follows. Oh, and by the way, um, books, well, I'll, I'll share the books later. <laughs> all right, it says, To keep the body in a healthy condition in order that all the parts of the living machinery may act harmoniously should be a what? A study of our lives. Okay? It should be a study of our lives. I want to encourage you, study your body. Investigate. Study. Read. The children of God cannot glorify him with sickly bodies or dwarfed minds. Those who indulge in any species of intemperance, either in eating or drinking, waste their physical energies and weaken what? Their moral powers. This is important because here, like the Apostle Paul, Ellen White draws a connection between health and morality. It does affect our morality. It is harder for you and me to be moral, to be upright morally when we have clouded brains and, and, and you know, clouded um, uh, intestines and we're just drowning our body with unhealthy food. It is harder for us to be moral beings. So that's a big deal. That's a big deal. I want to share with you more information. This is, is particular um, concerning uh, meat. Notice, we have information here on what is in the Bible. We have an, an, an expansion that the Holy Spirit gave us through these writings. And it says, The diet appointed man in the beginning did not include animal food, not till after the flood, when every green thing on earth had been destroyed, did man receive permission to eat flesh. And I have one more quote here. Why should we uh, be careful with eating meat? It says, because animals are becoming more and more diseased. I'm reading from Testimonies, chapter, uh, Testimonies, volume 7, page 124. Animals are becoming more and more diseased, and it will not be long until animal food will be discarded by many besides Seventh-day Adventists. Has that happened? Are the more educated class in this country and around the world turning more to a plant-based diet? Have you heard that term, plant-based diet? Are those only Adventists saying that? No. No, you have people who are actually studying um, their bodies and their health um, and also 
you know, the, the condition of the meat industry, the food industry, and they're going more towards a plant-based diet. They're doing it for health, for health benefit. We should do it for health, but above all, to glorify God and to give him better service. Amen? Amen, amen. Um, to finish this quote, it says, Foods that are healthful and life-sustaining are to be prepared so that men and women will not what? What does it say? Will not need to what? To eat meat. The fact, friends, is this. It's good news. This, this is gospel, amen? This is good news. God wants you healthy. That's good news. He wants to protect you from, from these uh, life-destroying diseases. That's good news. He wants to save you that bill with all those prescription drugs every month. That's good news. The gospel is good news. And God is a complete Savior. He's not just interested in you being forgiven. And that's it. A magical, forgiven. Let's go to heaven. No. He wants to restore us. He wants to heal us inside and out. He wants to have us fulfill our greatest potential here on earth. He wants us to give him glory. And it is very difficult to do that if we promote sickness in ourselves by our unhealthy habits. And by the way, especially in these times of COVID-19, coronavirus, as you have heard, I want to repeat again, um, though wearing a, a mask is good and, and it helps, most people say, um, the best defense against COVID is what? Is a good, healthy immune system. But masks are good. Don't misunderstand me. And I should probably wear mine more. Um, but the best defense against this pestilence and whatever other pestilence is a good immune system. The best defense against cancer, diabetes, is, is a healthy lifestyle. And the gospel of Jesus Christ incorporates that into that spiritual message. Praise be to God. Now, I'm going to let you in on a little conspiracy. Uh-oh, here he goes. <laughs> I'm going to let you in on a little conspiracy. It's not a theory, it's truth. You ready for it? Shh, don't tell anybody, though. The devil wants you sick. He wants you sick as a dog. He wants you complaining. He wants you hurting. He wants you dragging your feet through this life. That is his plan. He has a conspiracy to make you sick. Because he knows that you will have a much harder time being a winsome Christian, a victorious Christian, if you're always hurting, if you're always sick, if you're always under medication. He knows that. He knows that. So he's out to steal your health away, friends. And my message to you, God's message to you this morning is, do not let him. John chapter 10, verse 10 tells us, the thief comes not but to steal, to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But Jesus says, I have come that you may have what? Life, and not only life, he says, that you may have it how? More abundantly, Lord, uh, friends, this is gospel truth. Amen? So, God has given us, friends, 
At Seventh-day Adventists and those friends who are visiting us, he wants you to know this message too, this health message, this message of health reform. He's given us thousands of pages. This book, Ministry of Healing, I don't know if you've read it. It's an awesome book, very inspiring and very enlightening. We have compilations like councils on diets and foods. Have you ever read it, friends? Now, there is a context to everything, and you need to look into things. Um, but have we read these books, Councils on Health, uh, Medical Ministry? These are books not just to be collecting dust or to be in our phones. They are books that God intended for his people to what? To read and to be blessed by that information. Because I, I repeat, the devil is out. He has a game plan to make you sick, to make you weak, to make you depressed. But God has a better plan, amen? To make you healthy, to make you strong, to make you mentally acute, to make you open to the Holy Spirit, to make you free from all these things, all these afflictions that are afflicting people. Now, I want to be clear here. <clears throat> I want to be clear. I don't want to be misunderstood, and I don't want to be insensitive, okay? I have met people, not many but I have met people who have practiced the health message and they still got cancer and they still died of some disease that afflicted them. Okay? I've met some. You may have met some too. And there may be even some of us here in this category. After all, friends, we do live in a world of sin, true or not? But friends, listen to me carefully, please. This is the exception and not the rule. In his marvelous providence, which sometimes is mysterious, God allows, like he did in the life of Job, for affliction of disease to come upon his people who are, you know, following the health message. And like Job, with, um, from no fault of their own, they suffer affliction of disease, okay, or of some illness because we live in this sinful world. And if this is you, I want to encourage you in God, trust in God's promises. All things work together for good to those who love God and are called according to his, to his uh, purpose. God will see you through, friends, amen? And he will heal you, whether now or in the resurrection. He will heal, amen? But sadly, friends, the majority of the sickly are suffering from self-inflicted wounds. The providence of God has nothing to do with it in most cases. But God is merciful. And he loves us no matter what mistakes we have made. Amen for that. And many times we have made those mistakes in ignorance, health or otherwise. But I got good news this morning. God is gathering a people. He is calling you and me to come out of ignorance and into the light of health reform and his health message. And I, give, and I thank him for that. And, for, and he gives us that light so we can give him glory. Amen? In the way that we serve, our, uh, the way that we serve him in our lives, the way that we can be of a more bigger blessing to people because we have a greater amount of health. I mean, 
Let's think for a moment, friends. Just look at the most popular foods in America. Go down in, the, in your imagination, down the aisle, 10 and 12 and 13, down Walmart and Myers. What are the foods that abound? What is America's favorite food? Well, I can tell you, it isn't broccoli, lentils, and beets. It's meat, pizza, soda, french fries, white bread, you name it. Now, I'm not saying that we can never have some of these foods that are not really that healthy. What I am saying is that unhealthy food should be the exception in our diet, maybe for special occasions or something, and not the norm. I would be a hypocrite if I said, oh, never, you know, because I, I myself, and I'm growing, I'm not the best health, health reformer here. But, you know, when I go to my, you know, birthday parties or whatever, you know, I'll have my cake and my ice cream, and it's not vegan most of the times. But I'll tell you what, I won't do that every day, not even every week. You know why? In my particular case, almost everybody on my father's side in my family has a diabetes type 2. Almost everybody. I think there's only one exception. I have it in my DNA. Are you with me? You think I want diabetes type 2? No way, Jose. And God has told me it's not just a health issue, Carlos. It is a moral, spiritual issue because, well, not, not, not so much the, the disease itself, but in, in my cooperating with God in, in uh, following healthy practices because he can communicate with me better. He can use me better. He will be glorified better if I try to avoid that disease. Are you with me? Now, diabetes type, type 2 may come either way. But I'm going to sure as certain try for it not to come. And this is what God wants, to do us, wants us to do, to cooperate with him, friends. I'm not trying to make anybody here feel bad or anything like that. I'm just, I'm just trying to awaken us that this is also a spiritual issue. It is a moral issue. It will affect your walk with God. And we need to look into these things. We need to read into these things. We need to open these books that God in his mercy has given to us. These books were written with, with sweat and tears. Are you with me? For us to read them and to study them. Amen? Amen. I'm done. God is good. And I think the message got across. He loves us and he wants us whole and healthy. He wants us educated. He wants us cooperating with him. Amen? Amen. Friends, that's good news. That's the gospel right there. That's part of the gospel, part of the everlasting gospel, a gospel of restoration. To close, all right, I want to share with you a story that I heard some time ago. So there was a daddy, okay? And he was there in the house with his little girl. She was about five or six or I don't know how old she was. And the girl comes up to him. The daughter goes, comes up to the daddy and he says, Daddy, daddy, give me a nickel. Give me a nickel. The dad says, okay, okay, sweetie. And he digs in his pockets, he digs, he digs in his pockets, and he has no nickel. But he, he, he finds something in his pocket, and he looks at it, and it's a folded up $20 bill. And you know, the father's feeling uh, extra gracious today, 
So he says to his daughter, you know, sweetie, I don't have any nickels. But here you go, $20. The girl said, no, I want a nickel. I want a nickel, she says. The father patiently tries to explain to her, honey, there are a lot of nickels in this $20 bill. The girl just doesn't want to understand. I want a nickel. I want a nickel. And then she takes the bill and she throws it on the floor, crying, shouting, going to her room. I want a nickel. I want a nickel. Friends, let's not be like this immature little girl. God in his graciousness is wanting to preserve, improve, and restore our physical health. This indeed is a marvelous blessing. I mean, after all, health is wealth. Amen? And with it, we can glorify God even more as he deserves. We may need to give up some of our cherished unhealthy nickels, but he is offering us much, much more. Amen? Friends, are you willing with me today? Are you willing to say, Lord, help me to glorify you by making better lifestyle choices? Lord, help me to glorify you by making better lifestyle choices. Can you raise your hand with me if this is your, your desire? Amen. Praise God. Praise God, church family. Praise God. He's going to help us. Now, I'm not going to pray now, but we're going to sing. There's power in the blood because that's the only way that we can make any changes in our lives. And it is through the what? The blood of Jesus Christ.